Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our head on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary on the latest and greatest from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we are off and running. And I think, Dr. Burley, as we return to the airwaves, we should just really uh, include the Sam Ellinger, we're back in just every <laughs> every intro we do now. Uh, do you think Sam Ellinger will play any meaningful snaps of football for the rest of his career? Wow, that's a deep that's a deep cut question to start us off. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, he single handedly ruined the Texans franchise career uh, by winning Week 18 last year, um, and I do think he's one injury away from getting more snaps. I mean, I could see him being turning into the Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Ooh, ooh. I, I would like that for him, honestly. Um, now, now you got me down an interesting road. Do you think the Texans ever had any interest in moving up to the number one overall pick no. because they knew somebody was going to do it? No. So does that mean to you that they love two quarterbacks or they love zero quarterbacks? I think they like one quarterback. They're okay with another quarterback, and they really like a defensive end. So you think that there's a chance that the Texans don't take a quarterback at two or with their first draft pick? Correct. I do believe there's a possibility there. Yes. Oh, man. That would be awesome because every mock draft in total, every single one, literally. I haven't seen a single one. Yes. uh, More Bryce Young than CJ Stroud. That's Well, I'll tell you right now, that's not happening. The Panthers are taking Bryce Young. Uh, guarantee I will go all I will guarantee this is a cutback pod guarantee to on April 4th write it down Bryce Young is going one dash one is this a guaranteed yes I yes wow. four dash four write it down one dash one Bryce Young wow to the Panthers to the Panthers because hypothetically somebody still could trade up to number one again I mean, we've never I, seen it before. I don't. The Panthers gave a king's ransom to move up compared to what everybody else was offering. I don't see that. See them flipping it again for anything more than what they gave up. Right. So you think Bryce Bryce Young one dash one? Yes, and I yes Bryce Young one dash one, and then I don't think the Texans are. I do think the Texans are high on Bryce Young. So I will say, if this is wrong, and then Bryce Young falls to the Texans, yes. Bryce Young is going to go be a Texan, and I think that happens. I just think that everything I'm hearing, reading, talking to people about says there is less than 5% chance Bryce Young is there at number two. Wow. Wow. This is awesome. So I would tell you you that the decision for me is C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson. Yeah. And I think the Texans actually lean Will Anderson. And which, and I'm fine with because they're going to pick again at 12, and everything I'm the quarterback they are good with, I think, is Will Levis, which I don't necessarily agree or understand, (laughs) but very much could be there at 12. Oh, man. Oh, man. I love the NFL draft so much. I mean, yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I've started seeing Hendon Hooker getting picked in the first round. Me too, which is wild. In and and I'm telling people they need to calm down because I'd like the Lions to be able to get him at like 55 or 81 and stash him for like four or five years. No, you've got the future with JG, baby. Yeah, but I mean, JG's what, our age-ish? Maybe uh, a little younger? I would have told you he was older than us. 
All right. Uh, one moment. Let me look. We're I am the, very... we're getting the high production quality here with the research department. It's twenty eight years old. So, Damn. I mean, yeah, he could have. Got if me by, he... I got him by a year. He could all of a sudden have ten more years if he. Do you becomes... think I could pull the same women that Jared Goff did? Oh, or does? I think if you played a professional sport, absolutely. I mean, because objectively, I don't think he's like brilliant. The world's most attractive man. Clearly not. Oh, I would. I wouldn't say that either. But I also would say he's not the brightest star in the sky either. <laughs> um, I can't speak to his Wonderlick score. But <laughs> I don't need his can... Wonderlick score. Can he tie his shoes? <laughs> well, if Ben Johnson tells him to throw it someplace, he can throw it there, and that's he all. Can I need throw. He can throw a football a long way and really accurately. I'll give him that. Well, but... sometimes last year, not so much. This year, or excuse me. 2021 not so much 2022 second half of the year very good i will i will say this um under no circumstances do i think i could play a now 17 game nfl season and have fewer interceptions thrown than jared goff if i were to play all 17 games you could not there's no way jared goff could throw a football better than i can under any circumstance yeah but i would we can make fun i think he can throw it accurately compared to the relative man maybe compared maybe compared to the freaks of nature in the nfl that we watch for entertainment every sunday like maybe compared to them yes he's meh accuracy wise but to the lay person he's got me beat on yeah (laughs) yeah. um okay one quick business topic in football before we jump into baseball because we're here um lamar jackson franchise tag salary maybe the larger ultimate question of at some point do quarterback salaries get get taken out of the salary cap no that's that's absurd i can't even believe that's getting tossed around to taking quarterbacks out of the salary cap what the kind of cockamamie idea is that i think there would be a salary cap for the quarterback um but either the cap's gonna have to get larger or they're gonna have to not have the cap potentially i don't know there's a lot of interesting things that could happen i okay the lamar let you there's two two let's stick let's just stick with lamar for this so that we don't go uh fully off the rails and and forget the baseball conversation fair okay uh the my takeaway with the lamar deal is i just I can't, and I've said this before, and I understand a lot of, you know, there's socioeconomic and all these other things that need to be taken into account, but I just cannot, cannot, cannot support just family members representing you just because with no background or knowledge of what, what's going on and what they're dealing with and what the systems are that are in place that they have to play within. I can't, I can't support you doing that. I, I just think it's irresponsible not only to your to yourself to managing yourself, I think it's irresponsible to the league. I don't think you're I don't think you're bettering anybody. I don't think you're you're actually dragging it all down as seen by you forced a franchise tag, which has now I would argue hindered the Ravens' ability to franchise tag somebody else and to keep talent in Baltimore. Blah blah blah. I mean, it's just a cycle down. Um, so we need to table the salary cap discussion, but that's a whole nother can of worms that is is wild. That yeah. can't even believe it's being tossed around. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I partially agree with you on the Lamar situation. I think that um, having an agent or not having an agent is hurting him. And I think in almost every situation is going to hurt a player. Um, I also do think, however, though, that the NFL for reasons both good and, uh, or I should say like protective to the player, but also a little selfishly from the league standpoint, are trying to send a little bit of a message of like, you're not going to be able to get business done if you don't have an agent that's accredited and, and approved. Um, but yeah, it's uh, what I'm curious to see is like, one, is he going to play this year? And two, I still believe that there are probably at least two or three teams who, in my opinion, should make the trade and give him a contract. Right, and that's what I think the real issue here is. Is what like, and you've seen it most twice now with Jalen Ramsey. Is for the first time ever in this last little batch of years, these players have been able to force their way off to get traded in an on an NFL team. This has been going on for almost a decade in the NBA now, so it's like old hat. But yeah. but this is, I mean, honestly, I think the Jalen Ramsey and Deshaun Watson and then Jalen Ramsey again, and I think it didn't, uh, gosh, Ngakwe, didn't he force a trade? Um, yeah. Like, you're, this is like the first time you're really seeing it in the NFL. I mean, I can, I, the only other time I can in, really call Rogers it out. is kind of forcing a trade right now. He, trying to, yeah, but he's so fruity tooty out in the dark. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But the only other time I can really think of it happening in the NFL was these the the draft situations, you know, like with Eli saying he's not going to go play in San Diego and things like that. Uh, yeah. Warren Sapp back in the '90s, but that's a rare, few and far between circumstances. So here are the teams that I think should make a move to go get Lamar: the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, lay up. Uh. The Atlanta Falcons. Yes, I'm good with that. And then I would say this one, I can see people. Well, I think Washington should have been in that conversation. Yeah. And then potentially New England. Wow, you're writing off Fat Daddy Mac already? I think they're writing off Fat Daddy Mac. Dang. It was the it was the Bailey Zappy show for a little bit in there. I, I well okay. Um, I just think Bill is somebody who would be like would know how to make Lamar really fucking good and to win a lot of games with him. Like Bill is a coach who would be able to do with would be able to get the most out of Lamar. So dang. it's like, yeah, uh, maybe, I think when, so. when has Bill Belichick had a running quarterback in in his career that he's just blown you away with? Well, he never has, but I guess he's just always seemingly gotten the most out of the people on his team. That I'll agree with. That's true, and I agree. And and but so I it's also, like if you have the chance to get somebody who's uber talented that you believe, hey, I'm the best fucking coach in the game, you yeah. you'd be able to figure it out. I, but they're know. kind of my like. I think that main tier would be Indianapolis, Atlanta, Washington. I would agree with maybe, those three. Let me maybe. Add- Maybe Tennessee Titans. 
Ooh, I don't know if I'm ready to jump in on the Titans bandwagon. I think there's I honestly think they're the three that I was gonna throw in as dark horses are I would put above the Titans. I don't I don't I think the Titans are pretty set with Tanny. Okay. I, I, I just feel that way. I just given it all. They, I mean they, they had Josh Dobbs for the playoffs and didn't go well. But and they started him over a guy they drafted in what the second or third round when they draft Malik Willis. Yeah, oh, Malik Willis was bad when they gave him a shot too. Uh, anyway, uh, but um, my three that I think are dark horses: Seattle uh, should be considered, um, and I think maybe it's not crazy to say Arizona. Uh, I like that. And then, and then here's the one that I think is just really could mess up a lot of things: Carolina. Yeah. Yep. I agree with all three of those as well. Uh, I think it, the Carolina one could be really interesting, and that could really – and it, I'll, I want to put a caveat, caveat to my call out earlier. If the Panthers do trade for Lamar Jackson, I do reserve the right to wash my hands of the, the lock uh, uh, that Bryce Young goes first. Yeah, because, I mean, that would put that would give the Ravens the number one overall pick. <laughs> yes, the Ravens would get one, and I would – then it's – Probably knowing the Ravens, it'll probably be Will Anderson that goes one, which will then just flip everything on its ear. Oh man, <laughs> what a fucking time that would be! Um, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. We will put a table in draft talk because we have multiple weeks coming up that we can talk about that. Uh, it's Tuesday, April 4th. Major League Baseball season opened up on Thursday, March 31st. That is correct. Um, and the Detroit Tigers, your Detroit Tigers, all of our Detroit America's Tigers, Detroit Tigers, the world's Detroit Tigers, open up at Comerica Park Thursday, April sixth against the Boston Red Sox. Oh, the Bo Sox. The Bo Sox. Um, how are we feeling? Is the head above water? Are the feet kicking underwater? Oh, we're, tre- we're treading gonna- water. We're treading water uh, on a personal note, like a, from a work standpoint, we're treading water. Uh, the water is like, you know, you're like spitting, trying to catch your breath. Like you're right at that level of water. Yeah, we're there. Um, but head, we're still, we're almost to the finish line, which is cool. Would you rather host opening day on actual opening day or have this, you know, the Tigers are going to have played six games before they open up at Comerica Park? Um. So I guess it really technically doesn't matter. Um, I get, and I guess I'm going to say, use a law school answer and say, it depends. Like if you're, if I, if last year when I was in my first year of doing this and like did was really green and didn't know, like I would a hundred percent take in the extra week to like get, get things in order. Um, but this season, I honestly have been just ready to get it behind us. Like, cause it, it, it's the, Season is so much more fun in my perspective when you hit that we're in keeping at a constant seven mode every day as opposed to this we got to get up to a 12 because it's our Super Bowl on the first day uh, mentality, which is what's going on right now. So stresses are high um, and things like that, which I'm ready to get behind us. So I think this year I would have happily gone first uh, to answer the question. I mean, it seems like the stress – is going to start at about the same time, regardless of when opening day at the stadium is. So like if it's starting at the same time, 
let's have it end as early as fucking possible right. basically right and it, and now like you just want the, sh- the runway to end because you you're you've been ready and i know what i'm doing there's no real well i know what i'm doing knock on wood and like you don't know what you don't know so like i've done this before so i've seen it and i'm not as nervous and all that jazz that i was last year but i'm ready to get the stress behind me just like you said how many games and or homestands does it take for you to feel like you are now in kind of the run of run of the mill we're at that constant seven things are things are just kind of happening now without people having to think too hard about it i would uh, like honestly the the collective exhale you will you will see like with the group after just opening day goes off like there's a giant XL. So you go from even just from that Thursday to the, our next game is Saturday. So just that in that little stretch, you'll see kind of what I would say a drop from a 12 to maybe it were at a 10 for Saturday and Sunday. And then honestly, by the, the end of the second homestand, everybody's in midseason form. Like it's, we, we, it's a routine at that point. Now, is that um, unique to kind of the partnership world or is that, kind of up and down waves different for people who work in sales or in marketing or community or whatever other kind of internal so business function. I would sales is different uh, obviously just because they're they don't necessarily work games so they're pretty much a consistent 9 to 5 every day kind of deal in ticket sales and and that kind of stuff. Ticket sales people aren't coming in and like checking on their accounts during the game. Yeah, they'll come in check in every now and again, but you, you're not going to see a ticket sales guy there at the eighth inning. That that will that is a rare instance. Uh, okay, kind of deal. Um, so yes, to answer your question, they may hang around, but typically, typically your ticket sales people are are not at most games. Um, but I so they kind of I would say never really leave midseason form. It's pretty much they'll have like their sales rush then renewal season. So like these, what I'll call twin peaks of, of rushes um, throughout the year. But I, on the whole, I think most other departments kind of follow the same one we do where it's a pretty consistent rush that month or so before the season, pretty big build up, build up, build up crescendo with opening day and then kind of level off and settle into a routine uh, about the end of the second homestand. Do the Tigers do something as an organization to celebrate opening day? Yes. There's a, uh, we have a team employee party after the game, after the stadium empties out, uh, after every opening day. And then it, before we do like a pre, uh, pre opening day thing, like today, um, they, uh, we, we go around every Tigers employee that works, uh, if you're a full time employee with the Tigers, you go around and you stand up, have to say who you are, what department you're in. Um, and how, what opening day this is for you. And so it, that's a big Tigers tradition. So it ranges obviously from a lot of ones to all the way up to like 23, 24. Uh, so pretty cool deal. And then at the end, there's a big get together at the stadium and everybody celebrates. And then we actually roll into the season. Do you do anything uh, for partners, fans, major ticket accounts? Oh yeah. Some sort of like gala or Yes. Pre-game almost. Yes. Uh, so, wow, you're, you're doing like a promo for me. Uh, so there is, we have like an opening day VIP party, which is like a, a private networking, I'm just call it what it is, boozy breakfast, extremely boozy breakfast for partners 
to come. Uh, all of our partners are invited. The number of they so they can all come, bring guests, all that good stuff. Uh, it's held at LCA or Little Caesars Arena. So uh, people come there in the morning, hang out. Tail there's tailgate games, all that stuff, food, drink. Um, then they walk. They kind of do like a caravan over to Comerica Park, which is a three block walk. So not too bad. Um, and then there's a huge, huge, huge Grand Circus Park. I don't know how familiar you are with the area. Uh, Grand Circus Park. There's a giant tailgate on both sides of Woodward on opening day. Oh, I've walked by it for Lions games. Yes, you have. That's exactly right. Um, there's it. Yeah, there's a huge party out there. Uh, typically on opening day in Detroit, people are starting the party around five thirty in the morning. Uh, <laughs> It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. They're, they're, like there's within the four block radius of all the stadiums, you'll have at least sixty five thousand people there. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a scene. It's definitely a scene, especially for a franchise that I mean, the last time the Tigers were respectable as a franchise on Diamond was what fourteen, 14 maybe yeah 14. twelve really kind of. Uh, they made the playoffs in 14. That's essentially a decade ago. Yeah. A decade plus or minus, you know? Um, so that's really cool. I did not know that uh, just the community came out like that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Opening day is a big deal and they always play a day game um, on opening day. So it's, it's in Detroit. So it's just a lot of tradition, a lot of history uh, around opening day here, which is pretty cool to be a part of. What's the weather forecast looking like? Hey, we, we you know we don't talk about the weather, but I'm knocking so hard on wood. It's not supposed to r word, <laughs> and that's really the only thing that can make it bad. Yep that that could be make a lot of things go really sour. Temperature doesn't really matter. People will will tough out. You know, a, a cold baseball game in we Michigan. Can, we can suffer the, through the cold, but if you just keep keep the r word out. We'll be okay. Let's talk about how baseball is going to look a little different for people Ooh. as they watch it this year. Um, if and you if haven't watched already it gone, already this year, like what are you doing? It, I, it's, I'm so happy it's back. Having baseball start during the Final Four is a little questionable, but I understand. On Thursday, the Final Four was Saturday. Yeah, but it's it's the same weekend, right? Um, there's but, multiple days in a weekend. Like there yeah, was... <laughs> I, I think people are still. I watched the final four. I, I don't know what I'm. What you... <laughs> yeah, but you're also. We must remember that we are not the average sports fan. <laughs> okay, fine. Touche. So, so our habits cannot be seen as the habits of the average our or casual sports fan. Vices. Yes. Um, so two main, main things. One, the implementation. Well, I guess potentially three main things because was the ghost runner. Is this the first year the ghost runner is nope. implemented in major league baseball? That was last year last too. Last year. Yep. Okay. So two main things, the implementation of a pitch clock and the banning of the shift defensively. Well, the, the third one is the bases, the enlarged bases. Oh, that's proving large bases. Well, that's proving that I'll be the first to put my hand to God. They're right. Steals are up way up. Steals are up. Balls in play are up. All that type of stuff. Well, okay, hold on. The balls in play, I think we're still at a too small of a sample size because I love and yeah. 
let's, <laughs> let's talk about these in order. Let's go. Let's do backwards to front, back to front because I think there's okay. a lot of here to unpack. Um, so the larger bases at current through, and I'm using some like just watching spring training hit or miss kind of stuff. Uh, and they're stealing more with the larger bases. And I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't think it was going to make a hill of beans worth of difference. Um, and I don't know why I, I, I think it is actually this. I think it's a con the pitch clock where we're going to skip around. I think the pickoff piece of the pitch clock is what's causing a lot of these steals too. So I think we could be 100%. Yeah. So I think we could be, I, I think it could be part of both and we're, we're doing causation with, you know, call what's the phrase? Uh, why do I uh, correlation. Say? correlation without causation. Thank you. I was going to yeah. to say taxation without representation. <laughs> also true. <laughs> like, gosh, wrong class. Uh, one thing real quick. I think the only thing that I could see that's maybe attributable, attributable to the bases themselves, because I agree with the pitch clock. If you know when the pitcher has to pitch it, you know when he can no longer attempt to pick you off. So well, he can... even that, but you also are only limited to one pickoff, non-successful pickoff attempt. As part oh, of, I did not know that. Right. So if you, they throw over and don't Man. get you, they can't. Th- if they throw over again and don't get you, it's a ball. So wow. you've basically got them. If they throw over and get you on the first one, or excuse me, throw over and don't get you on the first try, you've got them by the nads. Like you can take yeah. off and run. And so I think you got them in the game of chicken. Exactly. And so I think that could be, con- and yes, you're also right. You can time the pitch clock and all of that too. Um, so- well, then with the bases, I think that if the bases are larger, there is a larger surface area, obviously, for you to get to the bag before the tag comes. And when we think about how many steal attempts are bang, bang, where the shortstop or second baseman is is basically going to a spot and the catcher is throwing to a spot. That spot has now got larger for the base runner so they can get farther away from the tag or have a little bit, you know, very marginally larger room to maneuver how they get to the bag. And even that in and of itself could make a slight difference, I would think. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, technically closer the base paths are shorter so yeah. like it's you know, a shorter one, distance one one less like half a step or something you i mean know, yeah like, it's at whatever half a second uh, but that yeah. makes a difference when in a band yeah when you're play. talking about a what what's a what's a pop time 1.8 or something yeah. like that like right that i mean a big difference. <laughs> that's but i think so you know the the larger bases i think are are actually a a piece you're seeing more steals and people are saying oh the larger bases work I think it's a it's a bigger thing at play here, yeah. um, but I also think you know transitioning to the to the banning of the shift, and this is I I, I was still am I hand to God still so against banning the shift, and, and and I, I think it's stupid. I I hate it. Uh, I, but I love 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 the creativity that you're seeing of the major league baseball teams. Uh, with how they just work around it they're like we're still going to shift we're just not we're just shifting within the rules that you've now put around us yeah so elaborate on that a little bit because i also admittedly have not super looked into that one or haven't really seen how people have been adapting to it oh it's beautiful it's it's actually absolutely poetic uh so real quick for those keeping score at home the banning of the shift it 
has had the shift in defense is when they in the old days prior to this year they would swing defenses would swing around and you leave one infielder usually on the left side of the infield and swing around three to the right side and usually push the second baseman into shallow left or excuse me shallow right and shortstop would play where the standard second baseman would play and you have your first baseman guarding first and it was the only thing that's really discriminatory about it is the league just did it against left-handed people a lot because left-handed people pulled it right way more often than right-handers. You can't you then right-handers pull left. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I don't know the science behind that, but anyway, digress. Um, They ban the shift. So now the rule is you have to have uh, four infielders on the dirt of the infield and two must be on each side of second base. So two must be on the left, two must be on the right. Um, so now, instead of shifts, what you would used to see where the shortstop would swing over, the third baseman would slide into the shortstop's position, or some teams would swing, send the third baseman all the way over. Um, now, all they've done is just bring the left fielder in and and put the left fielder where the second baseman used to play in the shift. And, and so they'll slide the shortstop up dead middle, second baseman just on the first base side of second base. And then the left fielder will come over and play where that shallow, right. So it's like a, like a Rover in softball almost. So, and then you, so then what ends up happening is instead of having used to be the whole left side of the infield was wide open. So it was basically an automatic single. If any left-handed hitter or when they shifted against you, you could hit it down the third base line because there was nobody there. They, they literally just gave it away to you and said, we dare you to hit it this way. Or some teams were saying, we would prefer you to hit it this way as opposed to out over the fence. Um, either one. But Jordan Alvarez would be that guy. Um, but now, seeing as they've brought the left fielder over instead of the third baseman, there's actually a defender there. So you have to make hard enough contact going oppo to hit it over the third baseman's head and get it down the line. So it's actually a more difficult, you actually have to make a better contact swing to get it past the third baseman. And then you can run for days. Don't get me wrong. It's a high risk, high reward type deal, but it's definitely a more challenging thing to do to beat than the old shift. Yeah, 100%. I I agree. It's it's funny um as you were as you were going through it I was like, of course that's what they're fucking doing. Just bringing the outfielder over. Um at what point how 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 strictly are they able to enforce the two infielders on each side of the bag? Like does it have to be at contact or guys Release of the pitch. And then guys can, can kind move. of move if they want to okay have we seen anybody get their hand slapped yeah a lot of so a lot of the hand slapping has happened with the pitch clock i have i haven't seen um maybe there has been one or or a few i don't know i haven't seen any instances of the shift being called for anything any penalties because they'll, they'll, the way that it would most likely get called and be a little subjective seemingly is in the dis, the uh, scenario in which you kind of described where, again, most shifts are happening against a left-handed batter. So if the shortstop is, is basically standing 
straight over second base. It's like, well, well, so yeah, he's not on the other. He's not on the other side of second base. He, he, I mean, the most when I've seen it, the shortstop will shade. I mean, he they don't really stand right behind the second base because that's behind the pitcher and they can't see. So yeah. that usually they shade, you know, that third base side. And then when the guy releases the pitch, they'll step over if they need to or whatever to field something up the middle. But I mean, they're nobody's going to hit it hard enough that they're getting it past the shortstop one step away yeah. up the middle. And are they playing? Are the shortstops playing deep? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they can almost cut something off in the outfield and still throw the guy out at first. Yeah, I mean, yes, they could get to something probably in shallow outfield, and I mean, and then they can charge anything that's chopped up the middle. Yeah. Or, or because you also have a third baseman there, they can also charge it, cut it off. Exactly. Know. Man, what a beautiful game! I still agree with you though that I think it's bullshit. And I'm glad that teams have found a way to uh, basically still do it in what is actually probably the way they should have done it in the first place. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what the coolest part of this is, is I think, honest to God, if we went back, like if for some reason we, the rules change again and they say, you know what, we revoke the ban on the shift. I think more teams would shift the way they're shifting now than they did in the past. Do you think there's the potential that they make an amendment to the rule to basically not allow this this loophole yeah I, yeah i do that's what's concerning but i you know the they're so damn I, I don't know what the word is creative conniving i don't know what the word is but i i'm now i've regained all faith like because i think when this was being negotiated in the in the cba and the, from last year i mean you remember this we talked about this this was all negotiated when the lockout was happening last year like, so this was all, I mean, you can go check the episodes. We talked about this and I thought this was going to be such a blah part of baseball and was so against it. But I honestly think the whole time the damn owners were playing chess and they knew they were like these rules that we're going to put in place around the shift. They'll just work around it and keep shifting. It doesn't impact baseball. Yeah, because I'll be honest, I thought it was almost like a fake thing that there was like no way that they were going to agree to do that. Right. I did too. Well, I, I did. And then when it got put in, I was like, oh, this is the players ramrodding this down. And I honestly think the owners knew the whole time. They're like, yeah, we'll get, what, you guys really want this. This is a big bargaining chip. We'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. Big carrot. And then just they knew the whole time. The players wanted to ban the shift? No, players. Yeah. I would think lefties wanted think it's discriminatory against left-handed hitters. And players, that's what I would think. I don't think the, I mean, you could, yeah, I guess you could argue the owners want to ban the shift, create more offense. Yeah, that was my thought, that the league slash owners are trying to do everything to increase w- runs and shorten game time. Well, yeah. The, and, okay, let I mean, you've segued us there. Let's go to the pit, the, next, the pitch clock because I think that's the – That's what I do, baby. I got to eat my hat on that one too because that one I, – I don't really have to eat my hat. I think the pitch clock, I thought it wasn't going to be that big a deal and make that big of an impact and holy moses yes it has and it has been i think it has added such an awesome layer to baseball now now do i think this layer is going to last forever no do i think this layer is here now and it's really cool to watch yes uh and that's that nobody's really used to the space that they're going it, with they're averaging two hours and 36 minutes a game across the league which is incredibly fast still a small sample size um but well, i was... throwing spring training and it's even faster yeah, I I think spring training average game was was down like twenty five or twenty six minutes or something like that. 
if I think if you throw in spring tra- spring training was two hours twenty seven minutes, I think twenty nine minutes on average. Yeah, it was. I I feel like I remember reading that like the spring training games were shorter by an average of twenty five well, or twenty six minutes. Uh, here, I got this these facts ready. Last year, average game game time was three hours four minutes. Uh, as as of as of this as of yesterday this year, uh, game times are averaging three two hours and thirty six minutes. Okay, so currently they are down twenty eight minutes in the regular yep. season. Yeah, which I think you and I talked about this potentially even on the podcast. Our first initial reactions to the pitch clock and this whole idea to make the game shorter was like if somebody is told a movie is three hours and four minutes long and they say, ah, not going to go to it. And then they're told, Oh, it's a uh, two hours and 58 minutes long. They're still probably not going to fucking go to it. Right. right. Or they're going to go to it. If it's two hours and 58 minutes long, they're going to go to it. If it's, it's three, three hours, hours and four, four minutes. minutes long. Yeah. But if this holds, I will be very curious to see what, at the end of the season, what the average game time is. If it truly is, I mean, let's call it half an hour because 28 minutes might as well be fucking half, half an, an hour. hour. Yeah. Uh, that is significant. Like there are people who will not go to three hour movies that will 100% go to two and a half hour movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, and everything your recall is spot on. Cause I remember every bit of that conversation we had. And I will also tell you that I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, I can't believe the impact it's had so far. Like with how and and honestly, as somebody who's watched, I have watched baseball every day since opening day, uh, in some form or fashion. It just watching it, it's one. It is noticeably faster when watching it. Noticeably, noticeably faster. You can notice it not only in just watching the game. You notice it in the presentation of the game with the commentary. It, particularly if you listen on the radio, how much faster it goes and how little dead air. There is. It's actually incredible. Uh, Shout out to the beautiful Giza Stadium. <laughs> the beautiful Giza Stadium. I wonder if uh, Pat's still listening to the to the old show. Well, we'll have to find out when we actually put an episode out for people to listen to. <laughs> because the last two episodes haven't made it out of the hoppers. So. Yeah, we got. So we got. We're gonna have three in the chamber, folks. Like we're just gonna yeah. we're gonna drop a whole week's like three a month's worth of episodes on y'all in three days. Um, but no, it's really interesting because as you were alluding to as well, not only has it made the game, uh, noticeably faster, but pitchers and batters alike are using it as a piece of strategy and a piece of like gamesmanship. Right. And, and that's what, that's what, uh, I think is so cool is you have like, and Max Scherzer was the first one I saw do this. So I, I don't, but it's now definitely not just Max Scherzer doing it. Nestor Cortez is another one. That's really fun to watch do this. Um, In case you don't know, Max Scherzer, his eyes are two different colors. They are. And so are mine. Uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. I have a brown one and a green one. Wow. Okay. Shout uh, out. Yeah. I don't, there's a word for us people like me and Max. Some some would call it elite, but I don't I don't <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Matt. So like a lot of what you're seeing with pit these pitchers in, in is there basically they 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 have to be read. The batter has to present as ready by eight seconds left on the clock. 
and be ready for the pitch. Go ahead. How much how much time starts on the clock? So if there's no runners on, it's 15 seconds. And if there are runners on, it's 20 seconds. Okay. Um, and we kind of alluded to earlier when we talked about the larger bases, you get one pickoff attempt. If there's runners on, you get one pickoff attempt that's unsuccessful and the clock will restart when you get the ball back at 20 seconds. But if you make a second pickoff attempt that's unsuccessful, it's an automatic ball. Is it ball in pitcher's mitt? Clock starts, not pitcher on mound. Ball in pitcher's hand. Classic Clock's fucking start. pitcher's hand, baby. Yep. Yep. Um, so they... And it, so it, if the 20 seconds... The batter must present as ready when there's eight seconds left on the clock. If the batter is, does not present as ready by eight seconds left, it's an automatic strike. And if the bat, if the pitcher does not deliver the ball by zero it's an automatic ball deliver start their motion start their motion to for delivery yes yeah what a what an absolute time so what you're seeing is pitchers will get ready max scherzer would do this he will get ready on the rubber in his stance with like 12 seconds left to go uh, on the clock and the batter will, you know, step in and try and dig in and eight seconds will get there and they'll they'll look up, literally look up and put the bat up and you know be in the quote unquote ready stance and Max Scherzer starts delivering. There's like no no pause, no break, no nothing. And and then he'll ne- the next pitch, he'll wait. All the the batter will present is ready at eight seconds and he'll sit there and wait for seven seconds and just make the guy stand there. And present is ready. Well, and he's just sitting there holding in his ready position for like 15, 12 seconds. And it just messes with timing constantly. What's going on with the pitch com? Uh, same thing as last year. I, 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 what's the, what's necessarily the, I didn't realize that it was a thing last year. Oh yeah. We basically moved away from catchers giving signs. Yeah. There's no more. Everybody, the Astros broke baseball. There's no more signs now. Um, so every, usually you'll see it. The catcher will have a device in his leg pad or some have it in their chest protector, but most have it in their leg protector and it's just buttons and it'll, the pitcher has a device in his hat, the brim of or in the, yeah, it's a brim. No, it's not. What is the, that flap under a hat? What do you call that? Uh, I don't know. That little piece, they'll have a device in their hat and it just tells them what to throw. Like how though through Morse fucking code? No audio in their ear. Oh my gosh! So they got to make sure that that audio is only loud enough for them to hear. It's like a them. yeah, it's like a earpiece almost. It's yeah, it's like it's the same thing. Like same technology as like a quarterback's headset. Okay. Um. Yeah, because I'd imagine you're not only calling pitch type but pitch location, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, and I, I, I'll have the research department look into it, but I believe it's a two button series. So I think you hit pitch type and then location and it relays that into his ear. And as a pitcher, you can't fucking shake it off because you don't have time to shake it off. Not anymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, aren't some pitchers the ones doing the signaling? Like Shohei is like doing the signaling. Oh yeah. And Verlander is another, I mean, yeah, you'll see the guys who, when they don't have a catcher that they necessarily have worked with often, the pitcher will go back to the old ver- the old way and they'll signal it in what they're throwing. If they're and they're- then the catcher has the audio. 
Uh, not no, they'll do hand signals most of the time that way. Going that way, I don't think I've ever seen a pitcher with the device. I've told I thought I read something that Shohei is like doing it without even looking at it. He's like memorized where the buttons are at. Wow, uh, and he's like pressing buttons and sending in the pitch, and then that's what he's throwing. Well, let me. I haven't heard that, but let me let me just look. Shohei. Because that, I mean, it all seems crazy because like you said, like that changes the dynamic of the pitcher-catcher relationship and makes it even that much more important than it already is because because Holy of the, You're right. He is. First, yeah, right? First like, ever to do it. That's crazy. He did it on opening day too. <laughs> that's insane, dude. Also, um, is the World Baseball Classic, the success of the World Baseball Classic going to get baseball back in the olympics or do you think it we just try to keep the world baseball classic as its own thing and fuck the olympics basically i mean i like the world baseball classic you know what do you what's the difference with like world cup the world cup and the olympics soccer's in the olympics yeah and the and the soccer community cares way more about the world cup than the olympics right and i think that's what is going to happen with baseball too if they try to bring baseball back in i think the damage was already done when they took baseball out but i i don't know i don't i really don't know i i think the the world baseball classic has was awesome this year i i was involved and invested i i thought it was fun to watch uh almost every game was fun to watch um so i don't know i don't really care what the olympic committee does uh i don't think i don't think is even is baseball even being considered to be added back in i think la 28 is trying to get it in aren't we all trying to get it in uh preach i you know i i don't know the la can try but then what what we when we go to africa or south america the next year are we gonna take it back out yeah um Okay, let's talk about this season. What are some early predictions you have for the year? Ooh, when you want early predictions, you want like division winners? What are you what are you looking for? Anything that you feel it could be division winners, it could be World Series, it could be Well, I'll give you my Tigers forward. prediction cuz I got to do that. Yes, have to do that. And and I have been told by people close in close circles that I have this is a hot take, so here we come. Uh, I had the Tigers finishing second in the division this year, second in the AL Central, behind the Cleveland, the Guardians. The Guardians, and I think the Guardians are not only going to win the division; I think the Guardians are going to run away with the division by double-digit games. Uh, but I think at eighty and eighty-two, your Detroit Tigers will be finishing in second. Wow, eighty and eighty-two. Okay. And I think almost five hundred. Almost five hundred. And I think a lot of that is a byproduct of the division being absolute booty water. because uh, I think if you play in the central division of either side, uh, you play in the junior circuit because it is just the those two divisions are god awful. With the Tigers, this is second year of AJ Hinch, is that correct? Uh if you're are we counting COVID? Uh sure. Oh, it is still second year of AJ Hinch, yeah. Because I think he came on during the whole COVID deal, but it was wasn't the manager, right? Right. 
and then this is now technically the first season. But no, he has no, 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 no. He came in in 21. What am I thinking? 21, 22, 20. This will be season three. Okay, season three for AJ Hinge. Sorry. And season one for who's the GM? Scott Harris. Is Scott that his Harris, name? Yep. What do we think? What do we think about the brass? Um, so on the record, I think the change was very overdue and very needed. Um, I think Scott Harris is at his track records unprecedented. I mean, he took the the Giants to the best record in baseball when they were supposed to be a joke. I mean, he took it to the best record in baseball twice and they were supposed to be the first year they were projected, pre- predicted to be the, one of the worst teams in baseball. They made the playoffs and then they were predicted to just be average and they were the best, had the best record in baseball. I mean, so pretty incredible stuff. Um, you know, that I don't think you can make bricks without clay. And I think that's a lot of what was going on with the tigers right now. Um, so I, is it painful to say that, uh, you know, people don't want a few more years of a rebuild? Yes. But I think, I do think the plane is coming out of a nosedive with Scott. I think that's, uh, I feel like that's been largely the consensus that I've read as well from different tigers, personalities or bloggers or Twitter sphere members. Um, but I will be curious to see, because like you said, right? Like, you're being told it's a hot take for the Tigers to still finish under 500. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they did get shut out opening day and scored a total of three runs in their opening series. But they <laughs> then turn around and beat the Astros, the and World Series did, champion Astros. They did then turn around and beat the World Series champion And Astros. And let's say, I'll just, as of What's this the recording, score right they're now? winning. They're winning again against the, the Astros ace, Framber Valdez. So, Framber. Yeah, yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. No offense, Burley. I think I have Framber on my fucking fantasy team. Taking an L to the Tigers. Come on, come on Framber. Um, but all that to say that I will be curious if we have another year that is um, potentially shaping up to be what it's going to be. Um, to really no fault of the current administration. If fans will continue to have patience and trust well see and here's here's what my thing you know is, is on patience i think they this season they're going to get a get out of jail free card with miguel cabrera and the riding off into the sunset and swan song and everybody will be so everybody's kind of accepted it's going to be bad and miguel cabrera we're celebrating miguel blah 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 and i i think that's brilliant beautiful but I also think once Miguel goes, I think the I honestly think the turnaround starts almost immediately. And I don't think it's too far off because, like I said, the division's so bad. I don't think it's too far off to say you're a wild card contender next year. Well, it's a big contract to get rid of, right? So it gives you flexibility to make moves and try to bring people into the clubhouse. Right. Bring people in, and it's another year of development for your young people. But you're that you're building around. I mean, and yet then Scott Harris's guys now will have two years of development to get up through the system. I mean, it it all it next year might be quick. Next year might be quick. But I don't I damn sure don't think it's an outlandish statement to say you're above 500 next year. 
Yeah. And I think um, another interesting point that I've seen from multiple kind of Tigers uh, commentators, I will say, um, and you don't have to speak on it if you if you don't want to, but I don't think anybody is talking about it as a make or break year for the Tigers, but they have highlighted some players where it's like, okay, we need to understand, is this guy part of the rebuild? Or is this somebody that we need to move on from and fill a slot, right? And I don't, I don't think that there's anything out of bounds there. I think, I think, and I think AJ Hinch and Scott Harris both recognize that's what this year is too. And I think you'll see, you're already kind of seeing it with the rotation that they're kind of using with their position players. I mean, there we haven't really seen a consistent lineup, but maybe once that this one repeating lineup, I should say this whole season and we're five games in. So they're using Maton, Veerling, uh, McKinstry, Scope. They're, they're rotating them all through to give this really, I think, evaluate who's going to be a part of like this when we do have that flexibility and these guys are coming up and we're filling in these holes, like who's going to be a part of it and who do we need to move on from? It's almost probably an, an oddly freeing feeling. Uh, for the brass now let's not get it twisted everybody wants to win and hates fucking losing amen and uh losing consistently over 162 games has got to be absolutely terrible but there probably is some consolation and it's like hey we have a little bit of liberty to like try some shit out try to figure some shit out absolutely absolutely i i mean i think there's something there's some there's something to be said for when you play loose, like when you don't have anything really quote unquote, don't have anything to play for, like, and you play loose. Like, I think there's something to be said for that. Like, and I think that's, what's kind of happening here. I don't think, I mean, maybe the guys in the locker room, you know, think this, they could pull off something magical and God bless them. I hope they do. But, you know, I don't think anybody outside of that, those four walls think that's happening in Detroit this year. And, yeah, there's there's no external expectations. Right. And, and so, like, I think, yeah, let loose and live free, like, and, and see what happens. And and we'll see where it goes. I, I think everybody on the external side is just trying to get, celebrate Miguel Cabrera. Right, right. Yeah. And like, like I said, some of the diehards have picked two or three guys where it's like, okay, I want to see what this guy does this year. Um, no, I think there's a few guys that it's nut up or shut up time. I think, I think it's, I, it's literally, I agree with that assessment. I don't think there's, I don't think that's a out of bounds statement. I, I also think that the tigers are so thin in, in some areas that like they got a longer leash than they probably should have been given, you know? And so, yeah, it's definitely nut cutting time now. Cause Scott Harris is going to have people behind him. So tigers 80 and 82 second in the, AL Central, uh, who do you see playing in the World Series and lifting, as Rob Manfred called it, that piece of metal? Oh God, your boy, your boy Robbie. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 back it up. Let's do ALCS and LCS. You good with that? I want yours too. Oh goodness, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I don't fucking know. I can. I'll come up with something on the spot. Um, I'll go first, I guess. So I'm not influenced by your more educated. Um guess so nlcs give me padres mets okay alcs give me 
give me the Yankees and give me the Astros. And then give me in a in an odd twist here. Give me Yankees Mets. Wow. Yankees over the Mets in a Subway series. We got the Subway series in the World Series. Bring it back. Series? Bring it back. Oh, we haven't man. had it since what we were like elementary school That's with like Nick Piazza, Derek Jeter, <sighs> Chuck Knobloch. That Tony would be, New York would probably implode upon itself if we if that'd be awesome. Now the Mets losing Edwin Diaz tough. And Verlander. <laughs> yeah. But and, he's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back, but still lost him for at least two or three starts. Yeah, uh, um, that's not detrimental. And didn't they? Didn't they also lose another uh, piece? No. Okay, Cullen's not picking the Mets. No, we I'm get not it. picking <laughs> the Mets. I'm not picking the Mets at all. I, I don't. I never. I, picking the Mets is a curse. I, I think they. I, uh, I well, think picking they the Yankees are. is a curse too. But this is my almost damn near completely uneducated. Give me Yankees Mets Subway Series. And you, who you got? Yankees or Mets? Give me the Yankees. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's what I'm gonna say. Which definitely is not going to happen. <laughs> I hope not. I, the, everything about what you picked in the World Series, I didn't like. I I can't. How did you like my CSs? I uh, well, okay. So here's, let's start with the American League, uh, because I think the American League is by far the better league. I think it's the senior circuit this year. Period. I think it's 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 just be- they're better, top to bottom, the divisions. And my hypothesis is that the AL East is the bell of the ball. Yeah, I, I think the AL East is the absolutely the bell of the ball. And I think the AL West is so much deeper this year than it has ever been. Um so here's here's what I'll and I, I and here's what I'll say. I think if it's not this year, it's coming soon. Somebody's gonna unseat the Astros out in the West. I I don't it's the Mariners are coming hard. Like coming to the party hard. Um uh, and and so I, they're a problem. Um, the Astros could mess around and get and be in the wild card game, and this could not. This could be the year we stop seeing the Astros. Do I? So that's American League question one. American League question two. I'm not convinced the Yankees, which everybody's taken to the bank as the best team in the American League. I'm not convinced the Yankees win their division either, because I think, like you said, that division is actually the best division in baseball. And it's going to be one of the most competitive, all the way, yeah. all the way to the bottom, one through five. And yeah, when you're talking about the what the Red Sox potentially being the worst team in the division, I like, think the Red Sox are going to be the worst team in the division. But and they're going to be good, probably. The Red Sox will have mm, the here. Let's put this in reference for you. The Tigers finished fourth in their division last year, so not last, fourth in their division last year, and had finished the season with sixty nine wins. I would bet large amounts of money the Red Sox will finish in fifth in their division this year and have seventy-five plus wins. Yeah, I, I so it's just it's it's going to be nuts over there on that side. So I think two while I'm picking Astros, Yankees, ALCS, do know that I there the contender. There are so many contenders out there, including and not limited to the Mariners, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Guardians. Um, so the Tampa, the Rays, just because, and that's the best pitching in baseball. Period. Um, you could even make an argument Texas has gotten significantly better. 
so, and then there, this, if maybe, just maybe, if the two jokers down in Anaheim could figure it out, like, how do those two, how do the two best players in the whole sport play on the same team and they can't, they're irrelevant? Well, because there's a, nine guys on the team at once, you know? Whew, that's brutal. And well, one of them can play two positions. I don't know if you heard, uh, but at an elite level. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Astros Yankees with the call out that I it's the American League is gonna be tough. Uh, with the call out of like that could be a wild card game. Yes, exactly. Game. That could that could absolutely be a first round matchup in the wild card game. Absolutely. Um, NL um, the NL East I think is is the best. I think the Dodgers are taking a serious regression. I think the Padres are the distant distant favorite out west. So I don't think there's a whole lot out west. The Central, I like the Cardinals. It's bad. Um and so the East, I think you're going to you're going to have three teams coming out of the East again. And That's Braves Phillies. Uh, yeah, or Mets Braves Marlins. It could, I, it could be either. I got I, the, Jack's Chisholm. Yeah, I mean, I, the Phillies are the favorite for sure. I don't, I don't foresee the, you know, either one of them. I don't see, I don't foresee another Phillies World Series run coming here. Uh, that's not, that's not my take. I think so. I, long story short, I think the Braves are going to go to the NLCS, and I, I'll take Padres just because I think they got to. No, you know what? Screw that. I like the Cardinals. I like Paul Goldschmidt. I like Arenado. If the Cardinals can find some pitching, I'll take the Cardinals. I think the Padres are the Mets of the National League. Um, so give me Cardinals, Braves, and Astros, Yankees. And I've got – God damn it. <laughs> I got Where are the Astros, Astros going to be? I got an Astros-Braves rematch. And the, the Astros – what, two years ago? Yeah. So this is the 2021 World Series. And what the Braves won that? Yes, they did. Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be in, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a good season. Speaking of the season, places to watch games. Should we reintroduce the fantasy five to the people? Ooh, here? let's absolutely reintroduce it. Do we give them the whole intro, or do they know? Do you think they remember it? We I at this they, point they've I got three episodes in the chamber, so they know. True. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. All right, folks. Uh, Fantasy Five, we're at it again. Uh, this week, the topic: Are we doing best major league baseball stadiums? Yeah, or like favorite major league baseball stadiums? Okay. All right. Um, do you now? Here's the question: Do you know who won the last Fantasy Five? No clue. So does that mean we're flipping the handy dandy Webfoot Battalion coin? It sure does. <laughs> It sure does, I think. All right, so do you want the, you know, folks, you know here on the Cutback Pod, we have only the most iconic Webfoot Warrior Battalion medallion. Uh, so would you like the Webfoot Warrior seal or the State of Oregon seal? Give me the fucking Webfoot Warriors and give me a Mariota stat. And we have the State of Oregon seal. Damn it. So I, uh, you know, I'm going to seed the first overall pick here because that is usually the best strategy to take in the fantasy five. And I think we've got 30 buildings here and I can't, I don't think one stands out too much above all the others. No, I would agree with you. And I do believe in what you said as well in that, um, 
I think we've maybe had in our now, let's call it 70 plus fantasy fives, like maybe let's call it five, give or take instances in which somebody chose to have the number one overall pick. And it was really? probably a warranted choice. That That's my like guess. We need to send that over to the research department and get an answer on that. Cause that's interesting. That would be a good, if we were, if we had better uh, hindsight, we would have tracked all of this stuff. <laughs> we weren't really thinking about it. Well, so. now, now we need to pick like more top heavy topics for the fantasy five. Maybe that's the problem. We're picking too, too even. What is it? Par- too much parody in our much parody. But the parody also gives the power to the people. It does. That's that's what we we are a podcast of the people. We are a podcast of the people, if nothing else. And we're specifically for some people by some people. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. And I know both of them are listening to this. And if you don't know, you don't fucking know. <laughs> you haven't been recruited yet. If you don't know, you never will. <laughs> it's either in you or it's not. Um, okay, with that, I'm going to go with Wrigley Field. Oh, my God. Wrigley's not even on my big board. Yeah, I mean, I think one, uh, a little bit of uh, literal uh, location slash recency bias. Um, Wrigley is obviously in Chicago. It's the only Chicago building worthy being on on any Absolutely list of true. best stadium because Absolutely true. And I didn't even think the, it was worthy. The G spot, aka guaranteed rate, <laughs> is just your most average donut, concrete donut. Yeah, most average uh, facility that you could ever have. Um, but Wrigley is obviously very historic. My favorite parts about it are that it is quite literally in a neighborhood and you can sit and watch planes fly over from O'Hare during the game. You got the Ivy, you got flying the W, you got the seventh inning stretch. It's a, it's a cool track out there at Wrigley field. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. I think I Wrigley wasn't on my big board. Cause I think if I was going to take one of the three quote unquote historic stadiums, still standing uh Wrigley would have finished second and so give me Fenway because I'll just take out the historical stuff here and then we can transition into actual good ballparks give me PNC in Pittsburgh uh I think I this this is already over folks we can just ring the bell (laughs) PNC is great PNC is great the river the the view of the city uh, usually you have the whole stadium to yourself when you go watch the Pirates game. <laughs> that is very true. Um, but give me two that are certainly going to keep me in the game. Give me Oracle. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. I do like Oracle. That's a good pick on my big board. That is home of the San Francisco Giants. McCovey Cove there, iconic, triple alley, iconic, the wind, Barry Bonds, all that good stuff, the glove out in left, yeah, left center. Left center uh, yeah. by the Coca-Cola bottle. All that. Good pick. On my big board. Solid. And then go ahead and give me the stadium that was in, is in a state where I just came from. Give me Coors Field. Wow. All right. I, Coors Field, uh, underdog here. A good pick. Mile Coors high. Field. Mountains like, in the background. Got Balls the are flying the out. Yeah, and a lot of green green spaces out there, both on the field and off. Uh, and in the air. Right. I mean, just good, good. Uh, very under uh, 
I don't know the word I'm trying to find. Underdog underappreciated. 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 Thank you. I'm, I'm, folks, my mind is not here today, so I'm missing words. I'm getting <laughs> words out. Um, all right. I, those those are two. Actually, you, you got back to my big board. Um, so I, I respect both of those picks. I think those are good. I'm going to answer you here. I, I, I got to take Petco. I, I don't know how. Yeah, I agree. Petco it's on, it's on the list. And the Western Metal Supply Building um, does not make the cut. Um, it, it's it's just cool with the build the side of the building. They have a beach out in center field. Opens up to the city. It's in the heart of downtown. Everything about that stadium is is badass. Uh, it's a uh, Rosentrop special. Yep, Petco is very 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 cool. I am going to follow that up, and I'm torn here because I don't know what you're going to do because I have three left on my big board that I would get, and I would get my entire top five. Oh, jeez. Um, but I, I'm afraid you're going to screw me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking Minute Maid Park here, uh, and because I and I want I because I well I missed the hill. I do miss the hill in Minute Maid Park, so I will say that's that was a knock against it. But I do love the train. I love the the train tracks. I love the history of it. Uh, I love the Crawford boxes, the view of downtown when they open the roof. You could drop the top on the roof like your slim thug driving through the city with your high beams on. Uh, it's it's Minute Maid Park. Okay. Okay. I can get behind that. Um, hmm. I have two that I need to round out. Round out my my team with i i think i have two i want to take i don't know how i feel about them one way or the other give me camden yards it's a good pick it's a solid pick camden is cool uh, another historical one but very, very historic. Cool. oh fun fact about camden yards uh while we're talking about it because i don't think it'll ever come up again on the show um uh, number one rated uh grounds crew in major league baseball for 13 years running now, how do those rankings happen? Uh, I, you know, that's something above my pay grade. Uh, I just heard this. Guess who has finished second four years in a row? This is our very own Detroit Tigers. It is your very own Detroit Tigers. Let's so. go. I love to hear that. Okay, let me um, let me round things out. I don't necessarily love this, but I I like the scenic aspect of it. Let me go with Bush Stadium. Okay. Um, this I've been to Bush. The coolest part of Bush is the outside of Bush. Are we are we allowing you to keep Ballpark Village as part of that? Like uh, stadium. Pick? I, I mean, I I like that the arch is in the batter's eye. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, no, that is cool. I'll give you that. But it like if if you take Ballpark Village, like you, you the pick is so much better if you allow Ballpark Village to be a part of that experience. Are we listen? Uh, I'll take whatever makes my picks better, baby. Okay. Have you been to St. Louis? No. What's road trip? Never even, never even driven through. I don't think. Shout out, Mad Dog. Let's uh, she'll meet us there. The rabid Mad Diggity. Yeah, it's like right in her neighborhood somewhere. Um. All right, I got to round this out here, and I'm gonna get my top five, folks. Uh. Oh. And 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 now I'm I'm now looking at my big board, deciding if I want to take number five or number six, because well, number five or number seven, because I think. Uh, you did take six with Oracle, but uh, I'm going to take the Texas Rangers Globe Life, the new one. Globe Life, the new, the new. It's the newest stadium in baseball. I was just there. 
for the Partnership Activation Summit this past February. Uh, it is actually an incredible building, uh, very new. The, so I've got the one of the oldest and one of the newest on my list, and I'm comfortable with that. They have a fully retractable roof, yeah? Uh, yeah, they do. Fully retractable roof, underground suites. Uh, I mean, it, it is literally – they have a speakeasy in the, in the stadium. Uh, cool. Connected to Texas Live and the Dallas Cowboys, which is like the – or AT&T Stadium is like in its backdrop. Uh, so pretty pretty not cool little setup out there. I'll give me Globe Life. Okay, before I get to my last question to round us out, that is also in the stadium realm. Let's run our teams down real quick. I've got Wrigley Field here in Chicago, Oracle Park out in San Francisco, Coors Field in Denver, home of the Rockies, Camden Yards in Baltimore, and Bush Stadium in St. Louis, home of one very rabid dog. Red dog. She, well, she's in Kansas City, which is Kaufman, which none of us picked, rightfully so. Uh, not quite. They. I mean, I've been to Kaufman, too. They have a, a scoreboard in the shape of a crown. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Jackson Mahomes there. <laughs> uh, probably. Probably doing a TikTok dance on somebody's grave outside the stadium. Jesus um, all right, so I got the far superior list of Fenway Park in Boston, PNC Park in Pittsburgh, Petco Park in San Diego, uh, Minute Maid Park in Houston, and Globe Life Field in Arlington. And I'm noticing I picked a bunch of parks. Yeah, you have mostly parks, one field. I've got two fields, one park, one yards, Ooh. and one stadium. I mean, I'm just an inclusive uh, stadium goer over here. I'm, one just, last... I'm frolicking in the parks. Frolicking in the parks. <laughs> <laughs> one last question for you here. Worst stadium in baseball. I think there are two candidates. Right, is, is this a debate? There's, I mean, there's just two. There's only two worth talking about that uh, and we both know who they are. <laughs> Yes, and do you think one is uh, substantially worse than the other? I So I've only been to one. I've heard and met employees at both. So I've heard and seen, heard stories about both, but I've only seen one. So I feel like I'm only allowed to objectively judge one, and that's the Coliseum. Ring Central Coliseum, baby. But, but. I the the horror story. Well, I've heard some horror stories about the Coliseum too, but the the horror stories you hear about the Trop in in St. Pete are are bad. So those are the two, obviously the two worst. Yeah, I've been in both. Uh, one to actually watch a game at Ring Central Coliseum, and one to set up for a bowl practice that never happened at Tropicana Field <laughs> during the preparation for the Outback Bowl. And Tropicana Field is, I mean, in my opinion, Ring Central Coliseum is slightly better wow. than Tropicana Field. Um, wow. Sitting inside in a humid, musty, concrete building that has so much humidity that there's standing water on concrete steps indoors. It's AstroTurf. The lighting is terrible. Nobody there fucking cares. At least Oakland, you're outside in California. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me tell you, I know we're, we're wrapping up here, but let me tell you, let me tell you a story from the activation summit. I met an employee of the Tampa Bay Rays for the first time in my life. Okay. 
um uh, what was their what was their title corporate partnership uh they're in corporate partnership activation so all of us at this summit were in corporate okay. partnership activation. i met a couple i met a couple boys from the rays corporate partnership group out at old uh um national sports forum as well oh all right we may need to offline about this but off uh, who these people are but uh i'm not to the vp of the rays if you know you know <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. listening. laughs> um so they're telling me about their office setup at the Rays, which I'm not one to like crap on people because our office setup's not the greatest here at Comerica. I will say the office in Comerica Park as a third party, my paychecks are not cut by the Tigers, is fucking terrible. <laughs> it is bad. It's better at a, a Little Caesars Arena. Little LCA is nice. Yeah. Um, Comerica Park. A lot of a lot of character, it a lot does. of character yeah, in that office. Character, oh, that's fine. I'm cool with taking character. Um, Not a lot of light or anything else, but a lot of character. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one could argue that's the, the way <laughs> the fan base and the team is played in the last decade too. Not a Very lot true. of light, a lot Very of character. Um, but the the Rays were talking about their offices, and they were saying they have to set up their desks on the concourse every day. And when the game starts and gates open, they have to break their desk down and put it into a closet <laughs> every day. And I can't imagine having to, at four o'clock, like break my desk down because all of a sudden 14, 15,000 people are going to be parading through here. <laughs> like, what I, an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And, and, but a professional the, baseball organization who is also like the winningest organization over the past decade. Right. And, and to back your point, there was multiple stories about them saying they'll just be sitting at their desk on the concourse and water is just like dripping on them from like they don't know where. It's just, yeah. they're like, everything is wet. <laughs> just from the humidity. Now they do have a live stingray, uh, case i guess in the outfield <laughs> okay. that's kind of cool i guess um did get to touch the stingrays while we were there but yeah it's just fucking gross it's terrible uh yeah yeah those are the worst two uh where do you put comerica i think comerica's uh, firmly in that middle me too you know it's it's not in the top but it's not in the bottom I, I like there's there's thing much like the not a lot of light, a lot of character. I think the stadium follows that that uh, characteristics as well. Yeah, and it's in a good location in in terms of being downtown. Um, there's some cool aspects to it. Like there's a lot of stadiums that are a lot fucking worse than Comerica. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like every stadium in Ohio. Yeah, and the G spot here on the south side of Chicago. That's a concrete um, donut. That is that is literally a that's a, that's not far behind the trough in the Coliseum. Yeah, um, like we mentioned, Kansas City. Um, so there's a lot of parks that we could land on. A lot of the parks on the East Coast, I think. You know, Philadelphia, Washington. Like, yeah, you know, those are just there's nothing super special about those. I don't think. Yeah, I also don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody any of those stadiums are going to beat Oakland's relocation to Vegas. No. Which can we that that's some way I know we got to table it, but that's something that is another big old can of worms that they I think they knew what they were doing the whole time and tanked every proposal that they made to stay in Oakland and they've done it since day one. 
Yeah, I mean, we literally met with the Oakland A's in the spring of 2018. And as even at that time, like relatively uneducated or kind of un, unaware of circum, like we, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? Like we were kind of green very much so. It was in our uh, very early in our NBA career. We all called bullshit immediately, basically. Drew <laughs> saw told, right through it. Yeah. Yeah. We're building this stadium here in Howard Johnson Terminal. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're going to Vegas. We're, we know. It's cool. Right. But I weird. also can't. I mean, that was five years ago. So, like, what's taking them so long? Yeah. It's crazy. It just seems like a rudderless ship with no direct. Like, they just are like, we now at this point, like, we can't get out of Oakland, but we don't want to stay in Oakland. Right. And it's like, it's it's uh, a wise man once said, is it better to be lonely or be in a relationship and be lonely? And I feel like the A's are in a relationship with the city of Oakland and both are lonely. Yeah, and they've, I mean, the A's business side has had massive turnover at least once, potentially twice. Um, so they're in a tough spot. But we assume that they will find their way to Las Vegas at some point. Everybody does at least once, you know. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, and I'm still not necessarily sold on this Vegas baseball team idea, but what do I It's going to have to be a dome. You can't play fucking outdoors there in the summer. No, no kidding. Dude. No kidding. Uh, yeah, but... What do I know? I'm just the lily guy out here trying to make it in Detroit. They'll figure it out. Uh, any last words for the people here? Yeah, go watch a baseball game. They're, they're on. And what else do you have to do? The Everything's almost – well, hockey playoffs are a couple weeks away, which those are exciting. NBA playoffs a couple weeks away. Also, Frozen 4, Michigan hockey, I think, is this weekend potentially. Uh, couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Uh, but, I, you know, yeah. I'll – I'll they watch. are in the frozen I'll, four. I'll throw that on. But again, that I think you and I are in a different echelon of people that would care. Michigan plays frozen four. Oh my god! Can you hear that? Hear what? Oh no! It's me. A website I went to started playing an ad, and I could hear it in my uh, my headphones. Production um, value. Production value for the people at home. Frozen Four, Michigan plays 8.30 p.m. Eastern, approximately Thursday, April 6th against Quinnipiac. Ooh. With a so your boy can get back from opening day, kick his feet up, and throw on a little puck, a little Michigan puck? ESPN2, baby. Let's go. And if they win, they play the winner of Minnesota versus Boston University. Ooh, that would be a rematch with Minnesota, too, which would be fun. Which we beat them in the Big Ten tournament, correct? Uh huh. It's gonna be a wild one. Let's go. Uh, let's go hockey. You let's, know, we are. Are we a hockey podcast now? Like we've talked, I think more hockey here than this week than we have all seventy whatever plus combined. We're at least a Frozen Four podcast. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow degenerates like Mister Munz and myself, this has been. Yet another episode of the Cutback Podcast. Uh, we may never know what number of the Cutback Podcast, but we will pick a number and go from there. Uh, until next time, keep your head on a swivel. Try not to get laid the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs>